Amen. Well, we're going to have Brother Thren come and preach to us from the Word of God this morning. So excited that they were able to come. I want you to pray for this family. If you weren't here last night, you don't realize how busy their schedule is. They just finished a meeting in Maine and were there until 1030 Friday night, jumped in their van and drove all through the night and got here about three yesterday afternoon and with just two hours sleep and came to the church and preached and sang last night. Their son just had his appendix out this last week. And uh, we weren't sure if he was going to make it or not. Praise the Lord, he's here. And we appreciate that bass voice there among all the ladies. And such a blessing. And, and so just pray for them. And uh, they jump in a car tomorrow morning and off they go again. So it's uh, very tiresome. And uh, they need some repairs on their van. And they need the repairs on their son. And, and so it, it makes for tough traveling. But, you know, we appreciate people that will surrender and sacrifice in order to help other local churches. So thank you, Brother Thren. And you come preach to us. Thank you. Amen. Thank you. Thank you for the opportunity to be here. And uh, thank you for that song. It indeed did fire me up. Amen. And uh, tired in body, my voice, you can hear my voice is going crazy on me. But um, uh, I still can make a sound. Amen. <clears throat> and and uh, make a noise. And the Bible talks about making a joyful noise. And so I'm I'm noisy this morning, but um, I'm sure I'm uh, grateful for the opportunity to be here to open the Bible and preach this morning. Open your Bibles, if you will, to the book of Deuteronomy. Deuteronomy chapter 10 is where we will be uh, this morning uh, to start off. I appreciate the, the nice rooms that you got for us. Uh, we appreciate that. We usually travel in a bus. Uh, our bus is our home, and uh, but where we were coming from Maine, and we're going right back to Maine, uh, we didn't bring the bus, and so I appreciate uh, uh, you, uh, your kindness in, in putting us up in very, very nice rooms. We appreciate that. Deuteronomy chapter 10, when you found your place, if you're able, stand with me. We'll read <clears throat> the first five verses of the chapter, and... Uh, See what the Lord has for us from his word today. Deuteronomy 10, verse number 1. The Bible says, At that time the Lord said unto me, Hew thee two tables of stone like unto the first, and come up unto me into the mount, and make thee an ark of wood. And I will write on the tables the words that were in the first tables, which thou breakest, and thou shalt put them in the ark. And I made an ark of Shittim wood and hewed two tables of stone like unto the first and went up into the mount having the two tables in mine hand. And he wrote on the tables according to the first writing the Ten Commandments which the Lord spake unto you in the mount out of the midst of the fire in the day of the assembly and the Lord gave them unto me. And I turned myself and came down from the mount and put the tables in the ark which I had made, and there they be, as the Lord commanded me. I want to look at this ark in Scripture, and I want to look at a couple other arks as well in Scripture this morning, and uh, see what the Lord has for us from his word. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for the day you've given us. Thank you, God, for health and strength to be here. And Lord, we know there are those uh, here today who are hurting, uh, not only 
those who are hurting on the outside with different physical uh, in, in, infirmities, but Lord, also those who are hurting on the inside. And uh, Lord, uh, there's hurting hearts today. Maybe there's searching hearts here today. Maybe there's heavy hearts here today. But Lord, uh, we know that whatever condition our heart is in tonight, uh, today, Lord, that you can reach down and you can meet the need of that heart in this moment. And God, there's a lot going on uh, today here at the church and there's a lot going on in our lives, but Lord, for a few minutes, God, help us to focus. Help us to focus on your word. Help us to have open hearts and open ears to hear the word of God today. And Lord, I pray that your spirit, who has already been at work here this morning, Lord, that you would continue that work in our hearts. Father, if there's anyone here today unsaved or unsure of their salvation, God, I pray that they would not leave in that same condition. I pray that your spirit would draw them and meet the need of their heart today. Father, we pray that Jesus would continue to be glorified and lifted up in our, in our presence today. And not only high and lifted up uh, in this place, but high and lifted up in our hearts. May we worship you as we hear your word. And Lord, we'll thank you for what you do. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Thank you for standing, you may be seated. There are at least four arcs in scripture. This is the third of the four. Uh, there is uh, an ark that's mentioned as being in heaven. The book of Revelation tells us that there is an ark in heaven. And that's a very interesting thing that, uh, what's, what makes it very interesting is that this ark that we're reading about in our text this morning is made after the pattern of the ark that's in heaven. As a matter of fact, the entire tabernacle that was built in the wilderness was made after the pattern of the tabernacle that's in heaven. And uh, uh, this, this ark was the centerpiece of the tabernacle. And it would become the centerpiece of the tabernacle. And this, uh, the tabernacle was a place that God uh, designed for the nation of Israel to meet with him. And his presence abode upon that place. And it was signified by a pillar of cloud during the day and a pillar of fire by night that abode over top of that tabernacle. As a matter of fact, it, it abode right over top of this ark that we're reading about. Now, as we look at the passage here, and we see that uh, the Lord instructed Moses to have this ark made. And he used uh, Bezalel, a man by the name of Bezalel, to actually build this ark. But he had a specific purpose for this ark. And we're going to look at that in just a moment. But before we do, I want to back up to the other two arks that are mentioned. I mentioned there's one in heaven, this ark here. There's two other arks mentioned in scripture. One is more famous than this ark and more famous than the ark in heaven. It's the one that all the kids know about, and it is what? Noah's Ark. Very good. Noah's Ark. That's the first ark mentioned in Scripture. You know the story. I won't take a lot of time to belabor the point, but God instructed Noah to build an ark 
to the saving of his household, but not only to the saving of his household, but to the saving of every kind of animal. And uh, uh, the, the earth had become wicked in the sight of God, and God was going to bring judgment upon the earth, and he did, as a matter of fact, bring judgment upon the earth. And a lot of people uh, don't like this, uh, this view of God, but it is a correct view that God punishes wickedness. Blessed is the nation whose God is the Lord. But those, the nations that forget God, he will turn into hell, the Bible says. And uh, that's not a popular view of God, but it is a correct view of God. And I don't know about you, but I'm more interested in the truth than just having my feelings uh, petted. Amen? And so God uh, was going to destroy the earth, and he did, it, did destroy the earth, but... Noah found grace in the eyes of God, amen? And God instructed Noah to build this ark. Noah built this ark, uh, and, uh, and they were saved during the flood. And what I want us to see about this ark, this very first ark mentioned in Scripture, is it was built, it was designed to hold life. It was designed to hold life. It was designed to preserve life. And God said, I want you to build this because I want to save your life. The second ark in scripture that we find is the ark of Moses. Not this ark. This was the second ark of Moses. There was an ark before this one. Now, have you ever had, uh, maybe you've had a little Bible quiz or something and uh, and somebody say, we'll, we'll pose the question, how many animals did Moses have on the ark? They say, oh, I know that one, two of every kind and seven of all the clean. And they come back and say, no, Moses wasn't on the ark. Guess what? They're wrong. Moses was on the ark, just not Noah's ark. But Moses had an ark as well. As a matter of fact, he was put on this ark when he was just a baby. You see, the Israelites were in Egyptian bondage and God was blessing them. And you know, this is something you'll find throughout history. When God's people are being persecuted, God will bless them in a greater degree than any other time. He will grow them. When the devil persecutes God's people, God grows his people. Amen? And so this was happening. They were, uh, uh, they were in bondage, and yet God was multiplying them. Uh, this is just a portion of my children. We have 11 children. So we subscribe to this be fruitful and multiply bit. Amen? And so um, God was multiplying them, and Pharaoh got looking around. He said, boy, they're, they're going to get to the point where they're going to be more than we are. And then we're going to have a problem on our hands. They're going to want to cast off this, uh, these uh, bonds that we put upon them and overthrow us. And so Pharaoh came up with a plan to have all the baby boys of the Israelites that were born. He instructed the midwives to cast them into the river to drown them. And uh, killing young ones is not new to our generation. But it's still a sin. Born or unborn, amen. Just figure I'd get that out there. And so 
there was a couple during this time named Amram and Jochebed. And the Bible says that they feared God. They feared God more than the king's commandment. Amen? And that's what we need today. We need moms and dads who have a greater fear of God than a fear of the government or the fear of grandma or grandpa. Amen? And so they feared God. They had this baby boy and they hid him for three months. And the Bible says when they could no longer hide him, they decided, well, it's time to obey the law. Kind of. You know what they did with him? They put him in the river. But they didn't drown him in the river. They first built what the Bible calls an ark. They built this little ark. It's just a one-person ark. And a lot smaller than Noah's ark, but, they, but it, it was built for the same purpose. To preserve life. To hold life. They built this ark and they put the baby in the, in the ark and they put him in the river and they let him go. Trusting God's providence and God comes through again because God never fails. Pharaoh's daughter just happened to be down at the river that day. And she just happened to see that little baby in that ark. And that baby just happened to cry. All, God was putting all of those pieces together. And when she heard the babe weep, she had compassion on this baby. She took it home, raised it as her own. But first, she hired the baby's mother to nurse him. How about that? God providentially providing, uh, giving uh, this uh, uh, home to Moses. So the second ark, the first ark was, was built to hold life. The second ark was built to hold life. Now we come to the third ark and the one before us this morning. This ark was built because God instructed Moses to bring it up on the mountain. Now, let me give you a little background here. Back in chapter 9, if you turn back over there, if you're still in Deuteronomy 10. Back in chapter 9, Moses is relating what took place. And by the way, Deuteronomy is the second telling of the law. And right before they entered into the land of promise, God said, I want you to go over all of these things again with the nation of Israel. And that's what Deuteronomy is. But he's given a little history here as well. And he said in verse number eight, also in Horeb, ye provoked the Lord to wrath so that the Lord was angry with you to have destroyed you when I was gone up into the mount to receive the tables of stone, even the tables of the covenant which the Lord made with you. Then I abode in the mount 40 days and 40 nights. I neither did eat bread nor drink water. And the Lord delivered unto me two tables of stone written with the finger of God. And on them was written according to all the words which the Lord spake with you in the mount out of the midst of the fire in the day of the assembly. So Moses had gone up to the mount. God had called him up to the mount. And he said, I'm going to put in writing the covenant that I made with the people of Israel. Now, God had already made this covenant with Israel. and Israel had already agreed to this covenant. 
But the Lord said, I want to put it in writing. And so he tells Moses to bring up these two tables of stone. And the Bible says that God wrote with his own finger upon these tables of stone. That's pretty amazing. And so he writes these commandments. Now, while Moses is up there meeting with God, and he was really serious about listening to God and hearing from God, he, he took a 40-day fast from food and water in order to hear from God. I wonder if we'd get desperate to hear from God, whether we'd hear from God too. Amen? Moses was serious about it. While he's up there meeting with God and getting God's word, the people are down there corrupting themselves. They pressure the associate pastor, Aaron, Moses' brother, and he makes a calf, a golden calf, and they start worshiping this. And they start worshiping this golden calf and the, uh, the dress standards go out the window. Amen. Amen. It's not time to pray. Look up. And the music goes out the window to the point where Joshua thinks there's a, a battle taking place. Joshua's halfway up on the mountain and he says, boy, it sounds like the noise of war down there. No, it's just their worship service. Hello. Amen. They, they corrupt themselves. What they're doing is they're forgetting about this covenant they've made with God and they're, and they're likening themselves. They're becoming like the nations around them. Yeah. I was talking to the Sunday school class this morning. I said, listen, we will, this, this idea in the modern church, the, the mindset that we have to become more like them in order to win them. It is wrong. It is wrong. It is wrong. It'll never work. God from the beginning has called upon us to be different. And it's in our differences that they'll see the Lord. And so while Moses is meeting with God, the people are corrupting themselves. And God tells Moses, you better get back down there. Those people you brought out of Egypt. That's what he says. The people you brought out of Egypt. He said, they're, they're your problem, Moses. He said they've corrupted themselves. So Moses goes down and look what happens. Verse 15, so I turned and came down from the mount and the mount burned with fire and the two tables of the covenant were in my two hands. And I looked and behold, ye had sinned against the Lord your God and had made you a molten calf. Ye had turned aside quickly out of the way which the Lord had commanded you. And I took the two tables and cast them out of my two hands and break them before your eyes. Moses, the only person in history who broke all of God's commandments at once. Amen? What happened? He's coming down from the mount. He sees the sin that the people are involved in and he is so grieved in his heart that he casts down these two tables and they break. Can you imagine breaking something that God had just written on. So this is what happens. The Lord says, I want you to come back up here. That's where we find him in chapter 10. He said, you need to come back up. Moses has dealt with the sin. 
And, and now he said, I, I need you to come back up here and I need you to hew out two more tables of stone and I'm gonna write on these my commandments. Now, you know what? You know what Moses did? He broke the originals. But God, that seemed to be no problem to God. Amen? Ever hear somebody come up to you, well, well, what about the originals? Who cares about the originals? Amen? We've got God's word. We don't have to worry about the originals. He is the original. Amen? And so he says, come back up here. So this is where we find him in, in chapter 10. But this time, listen, this time he tells Moses, now I want you to bring something with you this time. He did not ask him to bring last time, but he's asking him to bring it this time. He said, I want you to make an ark. He says, because I want you to put these commandments in the ark. Why? Well, it's pretty obvious why. He broke the first ones. Right? He broke the first one, so he said, now I want you to bring this ark so you won't break them again. Can I just stop here and say this? If all you ever have is the commandments in your hands and you never get them in your heart, you'll break them too. Amen. It's not thy word have I hid in my hand that I might not sin against God. Thy word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against God. And this is the picture that we have here. God says, I want you to build an ark and I want you to put these tables of stone in the ark for safe keeping. Now, this is not the only, these are not the only items that end up being in the ark. Go to, uh, to uh, not Romans, Hebrews chapter nine. Hebrews chapter nine. Everybody still with me? I've been preaching for about 20 minutes. Give me about 10 more, okay? Hebrews chapter nine. If I can find Hebrews, there it is. Matthew, Mark, Luke, Hebrews. Okay. Look at Hebrews chapter nine. He's going to begin describing the, the, the first covenant and the first tabernacle. And in verse number two, he says, For there was a tabernacle made, the first wherein was the candlestick, and the table and the showbread, which is called the sanctuary. So you've got the outer court, then you have the, the holy place, and that's what he describes in verse two. The holy place, it had the candlestick, the table, the showbread. He said, and after the second veil, so there's a veil separating the holy place and the outer court, and then there was a veil separating the holy place from the holiest of all, the holy of holies. He said, after the second veil, the tabernacle, which is called the holiest of all. Now look at verse four, which had the golden censer and the what? Ark. The Ark of the Covenant overlaid round about with gold. Now watch this. Wherein, he's about to tell us what was inside the Ark, was the golden pot that had manna and Aaron's rod that budded and the tables of the covenant. 
So we read about when the tables of the covenant were put in the ark. They were the first entries into the ark, the tables of the covenant. But now we're told of two other things that were that resided in the ark during their wilderness wanderings. The first was a golden pot with manna, a bowl, if you will, had manna inside of it. The manna was a food that God sent from heaven miraculously for 40 years in the wilderness to supply the need of the nation of Israel. You see, when they left Egyptian bondage, they were headed to the promised land. They could have been there in a matter of days, but because of their unbelief, they ended up wandering in the wilderness for 40 years. Here's a group of of probably, most estimates are 2 million people. 2 million people. Wandering around in a wilderness. And it's going to take divine providence to feed them. And thank God, that's no problem for God. So God begins feeding them every day with this food from heaven. They call it manna. They've never seen it before. We know it's divine. We know it's supernatural because of its nature. It falls every day from heaven. God told them, they said, now listen, when it falls, only collect what you're going to need for that day. If you try to save it, it's going to spoil. And sure enough, people being people, I'm sure the nation of Israel, I'm sure they're Baptists. Because the preacher said, hey, don't do this. And they said, well, let's try it. Amen. Amen. You know I'm telling the truth. So they tried it. They, they got two days worth. Well, the next day it rotted. Bread worms. They couldn't eat it. However, there was something else miraculous about this manna. When it fell on Friday, it fell twice as much. And they could keep it over because the next day was the Sabbath, the day of rest. They could not work. It was part of their covenant with God, and so they they couldn't work. And so God supplied miraculously this manna, and he, he put something extra in it on Friday. Amen? Because it lasted through the Sabbath day, and they were able to eat two days off of that manna. So what is the point? The point is it's divine. Okay? There was something, some kind of ingredient in this food that you won't find in another food. There was some kind of life in there. It sustained them. And, and it was miraculous. The, the, the third thing that was in that Ark of the Covenant was Aaron's rod that budded. Now this was special because there came a time, another reason why I believe all the Israelites were Baptists, because there came a time that the Israelites came to Moses and said, listen, hey, we're the people of God too. You shouldn't be making all the rules and being all in charge and everything. Let us, we, we, should, we should be able to have the leadership. And here's Aaron, the high priest, and you know he don't deserve to be the high priest. Uh, we think we ought to share in the responsibility. So Moses said, okay, let's, let's do this. Every one of you, I bring... Uh, your rod, a symbol of their authority. And he said, we'll bring them and, and we'll lay them out before the Lord and just see what God does. 
So Aaron had his rod and all the elders had their rods. They laid them out before the Lord. They came back in the morning and all the rods were just the same except for one. One rod budded and blossomed and brought forth almonds. This is not a tree that was planted in the ground. This was a stick that had been cut. It was dead. And yet, it brought forth life. Aaron's rod that budded, that was the third entry into this Ark of the Covenant. Now listen, I'm going somewhere, just stay with me. So all three of these things that are spoken of, the the tables of the covenant, that's how they lived their lives. That ordered and directed their life as the people of God. The manna, that supplied their life, the food they needed to live. And then that, that rod that budded, that signified resurrection life, something that had been dead living again. So what is the point? The point is the first ark was made to hold life. Noah and his family and the animals. The second ark was made to hold life. It held Moses. And not only saved Moses, it preserved an entire nation. The third ark was built to hold life. That manna. Those tables of stone. That rod that budded. They all spoke of life. Now, here's my thought. Today, if we could somehow locate the Ark of the Covenant, and if by some miracle, we could open up that ark without God killing us (laughs) because that happened before. And if we looked inside that ark and we found after all these years and centuries, we found the tables of stone. That would be remarkable, wouldn't it? to see the tables that God had written upon have something with God's own handwriting on it? Be amazing, be phenomenal. If we looked over and we saw that rod that budded, be an amazing thing, especially if it still had buds and blossoms on it, especially if there's still almonds there. Wouldn't, wouldn't that be Amazing. If we looked over further and we saw that golden bowl, that pot of manna, and the manna was still in it and still fresh. Can you imagine what that would be like? It'd be amazing, be phenomenal. But you know how much that would help us? Not at all. Say, why? I'll tell you why, because those things that were in that ark, they were pictures of something greater. That manna that fell from heaven, Jesus said, you know, your fathers ate that manna in the wilderness 
and they died. It might have given them day-to-day life, but it did not give them eternal life. You know what he said? But I am the bread of life. Any man partakes of me, he'll live forever. You see, that manna in that bowl, that was a picture of Jesus Christ, the bread of life. Those tables of stone. Listen, those tables of stone, they were just, they were just a picture of the covenant that God had with his people. The actual tables were not going to help. Jesus, the Bible says, is the word of God. In the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God, and the word became flesh and dwelt among us. See, those tables, they were just a picture of something greater. That rod that budded. The Bible says that Jesus was the branch. He was cut down. He died on a cross for our sins, amen? Not for any sin of himself, but for our sins. He died on that cross. He was cut down and he was buried. He died just like all of us will die. He was buried just like we naturally will be buried, but yet there was something yet to come. He rose again from the dead under his own power three days after. And that rod that budded is a picture of the Lord Jesus Christ who was cut down and yet in his death we have life. It not only blossomed, but it brought forth almonds. That's something you can partake of. Jesus said, you eat of me, you'll never die. Those are all pictures of the Lord Jesus Christ, and we understand that. You know, the great burden of my heart is that there are people that have in their ark, they have the relics. They have the pictures, but they don't have the reality. They don't have the fulfillment. You see, as I mentioned earlier, we found those, we found that ark and we found those things. If we ate of that manna, Guess what? That still wouldn't save our soul. We could hold those tables of stone and say, wow, God wrote on these. Still wouldn't get us to heaven. Still does not, it would not establish a covenant between us and God. You see, you can have all the outward things without having the inward reality. You know what Jesus said? He said, I don't want you just have tables of stone. He said, I want to write upon your heart, fleshy tables of the heart. God wants a personal relationship with you.
It's great to be in church, amen? I love, I love going to church. Church is my, is my life. What kind of social life do you have? Church, that's my social life. And I love it. I don't want it to change. But if the only time you ever meet with God is when you're at church, you're missing something. I love collective worship, but you need to have individual worship. All of these things are wonderful, but in and of themselves, they cannot save. I mentioned last night a pastor that visited one of our meetings just three weeks ago. Independent Baptist pastor. At the close of the service, he came to me and he said, he said, uh, that was a great message. He said, I'll talk to you about it later. The next day, he told me, he said, you know, last night, he said, I got saved. I got saved last night. Pastor, friend of mine, he said, it was all up here. It was all up here, it wasn't here. Listen, let me give you my testimony and I'll be through, but I grew up in church. Thank God, these kids in church, praise God. Thank God they're here. That was me, I was a church brat. Grew up in church, heard the gospel all my life. I can't ever remember a time that I didn't believe that Jesus died on the cross. Come on. I was taught that from a child. I always believed he died on the cross. I always believed he rose again. But I didn't personalize it. It was just something that I knew and I believed it to be true, but I didn't put myself in the position I was a sinner. Yeah, Jesus died for the world, but Jesus died for me. I was 17 years old, August 10th, 1995, 17 years old. We just got done singing. I'd sat down. We were in an old, old-fashioned camp meeting. And the preacher got up and preached. I can't even tell you what he preached on. Because the whole time he was up there preaching, the Holy Spirit was preaching to me. He was saying, you know, you're just going through the motions. You've just got the relics. People look at you and you've got all the things in line, but you don't have Christ. And this morning, what a sad thing it would be to go to a Bible preaching church to hear the gospel presented week after week and die in your sins and go to hell. What a terrible thing that would be. You see, you can have all of the things and you can have everybody fooled. But what it really comes down to is do you have the life? You know what God wants to put in your ark? Himself. Not just the pictures, Himself. Are you saved? Do you know the Lord Jesus? Maybe you're a visitor here. You've never been to this church before. 
You're wondering what it's all about. It's all about Jesus. It's all about Jesus. I'm not saved because I'm a preacher. I'm not going to heaven because I sing songs about Jesus. I'm not going to heaven because I'm a good person. I'm going to heaven one day because I placed my faith and trust in what Jesus did for me. I realized I was a sinner. My sin would keep me from heaven, keep me from God. And I realized my only hope was the Lord Jesus Christ. And today, as I stand before you today, I stand before you saved because of him. Because of him. And there's no doubt in my mind that I'm going to heaven when I die. Not a doubt. You know why? Because he that hath the Son hath life. And he that hath not the Son of God hath not life. It's not about whether you got all the stuff. Do you have the Son? Does he live within you? Have you accepted him as your own personal Savior? If you haven't, doesn't matter to me if you're eight or 80. Doesn't matter to me if you've been in church all your life or you've never been to church before. Everybody's got to go the same way. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. It's Jesus or nothing. Are you saved? Are you saved? What's in your ark? You might have some real impressive stuff in there, but if you don't have Jesus, you don't have anything. Heavenly Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for the truth. that Jesus is. And Father, I pray that today there's someone in this place, young or old, rich or poor, does not matter. If there's anyone in this place today who has never trusted Jesus Christ as their own personal savior, turn from self, turn from sin, turn from whatever they were trusting before, and turn to Jesus, Lord, help them to do that today. Maybe there's some here today who are wondering, they're not sure whether they're saved or lost. God, make it so clear to them today. Help them to know that it's the devil that questions. The Holy Spirit will make statements. And God, I pray that they will hear your voice today and get it settled once and for all. Father, I pray that as Christians we would desire to be a witness for you and to let our light shine so that folks may know it's not about us, it's about you and what you can do. Our Lord, guide now in these next few moments. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. The pastor is coming.
The altar is open. The Spirit of God has spoken to your heart. Why not today? Will you come? Will you trust Him? You can trust Him. He's trustworthy. Look back over your life. Has there ever been a time when you trusted what Jesus Christ did for you? Nothing in my hand I bring. Simply to the cross I cling. Be obedient to the Spirit of God today. If He's calling you, just come.